here's a message from Ken Lavica. Uh, the Billy Napier era at Florida is not very fun. Christian can't hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go. You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. All right, so I want to make it extremely clear right at the onset the one thing I'm not doing is calling. For Billy Napier's job. But what I am doing is questioning whether or not Billy Napier is sustainable. Theo, is that fair? Is is that is 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 that at least acceptable? Hey, why would we call for a guy to be fired one game into his second season? But Hey, this kind of looks sketchy. Is that is, is that fair? Well, when you start your tenure before you even coach a football game with a letter of what seemed like an apology to the fans, because asking of a for forgiveness, failure? yeah, yeah, I, I think the ship is already rocky uh, beneath him. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, or nothing shocks me at all about calling for his job or even questioning his ability to coach there when he was kind of questioning himself before he even coached the Saturday. I just don't want to come off as a Skip Bayless type where I'm gnashing my teeth and and the slobber and the saliva is flying everywhere Mm. and I'm pounding my fist on the table and saying, fire this man, fire this man, after he's only coached 14 games in his Florida Gators career. So I I don't want to come off like that. What I will say is that last night was a monumental, gigantic waste of time and sleep. Uh, that was one of the single most, and we went through some snoozers with Jim McElwain. Uh, that was one of the single most boring Florida Gators performances that you have seen in modern Florida Gators football. I, I don't know, Theo, how much you caught last night. I unfortunately caught the entire thing, and it was over. In the second quarter. And honestly, you can make the argument was over in the first quarter. In fact, you can make the argument that it was over literal seconds into the game when Utah, <laughs> on the first play from scrimmage as heard on ESPN, when Utah, with with two backups playing because Cam Rising has eligibility issues that the NCAA has just tabled their starting quarterback backup quarterback in the game just seconds into the game against the Gators last night. Season opener. This happened. Action first hand of Barnes looking downfield. Takes a shot. Watches for Money Parks. Seventy yards on the opening play, and that is how the season began for Florida, down seven nothing. Uh, Theo, I don't know how much you saw, but 
that was a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, I actually did turn this game on, and unfortunately I turned it on a, a few seconds too late because when I turned it on, it was already 7-zip, and I knew there were going to be some issues arising. It's, it's funny, though, how different a year can be because this time last year following the Utah game, not only was Florida back and, and they found their quarterback in the future, we were talking Heisman talk with Anthony Richardson. And and now we're, we're we're calling for Billy Napier's job, pseudo calling no, for his job. No, we're not. We're I know. All, we're not. We're not. We're we're simply suggesting that maybe this is a little rougher of a ride that we anticipated it would be. We're questioning his competence as well as um, just you know coming off of losing that bad in a season opener um, and not really feeling like they were ever in the game. It it just feels like again last year all the Florida teams were back after week one. We're, we're only halfway or a, or a quarter into week one right here, and we're already kind of pouring a little salt on the wounds of Gators fans. But I like it. I'm cool with it. I, I, find, myself to be, um, I find myself to be uninspired by Billy Napier. I'm, just, I'm having problems talking myself into this Billy Napier era, and I, I decided in a shocking turn of events to do a little research here. Okay, and I just wonder when it's the proper time to to be able to question whether someone is the guy or not, the right coach for the program or not. And I feel like I can at least broach this because I want to go back to the second year of Will Muschamp. Okay, and let's keep in mind Billy Napier. This was game one of year number two. This was a notable opponent. This was the first time uh, since the late 80s that a Florida team went out of state for a non-conference game to start the season. Uh, And it was, well, a failure. But it's a notable loss to a Pac-12 team in Utah. So let's go back to Will Muschamp here for a second, okay? He was uh, the direct successor to Urban Meyer. Year two, they started with Bowling Green. That's a win. That's not a notable game, okay? You know what is? At Texas A&M, Florida wins 20-17. to Then at Tennessee, Florida wins 37-20. to So that by itself. Will Muschamp's resume, year two, and not to mention he won 11 games in his second season. Uh, That puts him well ahead of what Billy Napier is. So then what about about Jim McElwain? Okay, so Will Muschamp gets Mm. fired. Jim McElwain comes in. This is well before he made up stories about death threats and things along those lines. Um, This was his year two. So New Mexico State and East Carolina both wins. Then he goes to Kentucky. Wins there. Home against Tennessee. Ekes out a 28-27 win there. So there's his first big test, and he passed with flying colors, beating a rival in Tennessee. What about Dan Mullen? What about Dan Mullen? His second year, right off the bat, you remember, Theo, that was the game against Miami at Camping World Stadium. 24-20. That's a win for the Gators. Then they would go on, win at Kentucky, beat Tennessee in a blowout, passed all his big tests in his second season. So everyone post-Urban Meyer, their first big test in their second season, they've gotten the job done. They have brought a, a sense of, all right, the ship is righted. Billy Napier, this is a guy who last year started 5-2, and two, and then the bottom fell out. And then the first Gators lost to Vanderbilt since 1988 happened. And then the bowl game, Las Vegas Bowl against Oregon State, 30-3, to lost. The Gators never showed up. That happened. And then last night, lost to Utah, 24-11 to happened. 
I mean, this is listless, bad, uninspiring football. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose unbelievably boring, outmatched. And Billy Napier is starting to reach that point where we say, man, the Gators, uh, they lose. And when they lose, they look completely outclassed. And that inherently is the biggest problem and the biggest way to lose a fan base. It's, it's funny you say that, too, because I have a buddy from college who's a huge Gators fan, and for the past week, all of his tweets were optimistic and just glowing about the start of the season and couldn't wait to watch this game. The tweets the morning of the game, I'm like, is this dude going to ever log off Twitter or X and get back to work? No, he's glowing. He's talking about how they're going to shut down the Utah run game and all this stuff, and then you could just see progressively, almost like you on a Sunday when the Dolphins are getting their tails whooped, his <laughs> tweets get more depressing uh-huh. More Dark. sad, yeah. more pessimistic, and just drowned out with, I'm sure, lots of uh, booze and whatnot. It is sad to see what happened to the Gators fan right now, but as a Canes fan, uh, better them than me. <laughs> so I do think that there's a conversation to be had about the Canes. I do think, though, it's a, it's a fundamental question. At what point is it acceptable to start questioning if a college football coach is the right guy? I feel foolish presenting after game one of the second season of Billy Napier that there might be an issue here, but I can't, outside of the win over Utah to start last season with Anthony Richardson, and keep in mind, this is a Florida team that just barely got themselves into a bowl game with the great top five pick Anthony Richardson as their starting quarterback. This is a Gators team that uh, after the third quarter last night, in their last seven quarters of football, were outscored 54-6 to mm. combined. Mm. So the mess of the Oregon State loss then spanned five and a half months, and the same thing happened last night, if not for a late touchdown to get the Gators off the, the at least end zone schneid. This is uninspiring. This is bad. And Billy Napier is saying things like fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. You can't preach to me fundamentals when you have a team sending two number threes into the game on special teams, a penalty that gives Utah the ball back and they score before halftime. Like that, that was the game right there because you can't get the proper personnel on the field who are both wearing the same number. That, I don't want to hear fundamentals from Billy Napier. I'm starting to feel like you can at least have the discussion. This includes losing out on a quarterback in the recruiting cycle who's now starting at Arizona State Mm. and showed out last night in Rashada. He looked real good. This isn't going well uh, so far for Billy Napier. Again, I'm not calling for his head, but can we at least have a little bit of a conversation about whether or not he's he's the guy? And I don't want to hear, oh, he's got a $32 million buyout. It's Florida. They would take care of it. But Let's do this in a vacuum. When can you have a legitimate discussion? How far into a tenure can you have a legitimate discussion as to whether or not a college football coach is the right guy? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063. That's 888-760-3776. When... In a college football coach's tenure, can you start questioning whether or not he's the right guy for the job? 888-760-3776. Because I get the, people are going to be like, oh my God, Ken's just trying to stir up nonsense. Ken's just being a Gators hater. That's not good quality stuff that we saw last night in Salt Lake City. That's 
bad football. That's mistake-laden football. It's what plagued the Gators uh, second half of last season, and it's as listless as the bowl game was. I think you can at least broach the topic, because it was also an uninspiring hire from the start to go get a guy from Louisiana that he might be too far in over his head here. Well, that's the thing, though. When Napier was hired, though, I feel like it was heralded as a good hire. Like, I mean, you say uninspiring, but it that was, was uninspiring. To be the... Sorry, when you go from Dan Mullen to going and getting uh, the Raging Cajuns head coach, he was balling in, in the in, in Sun Belt, the Sun Belt to the SEC. Uh, uh-uh, ain't doing it. He was heralded as a guy that was going to be a great recruiter. He started off strong. He had Jaden Rashada in, in the in the pockets until uh, the pockets weren't deep enough in Florida, I guess, in Gainesville. <laughs> I don't want to go that far. You're, 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 back in the beginning, I remember it was all sunshine and, and rosy time. But it is for everybody. What I'm saying is that I wasn't one that was going to have the, the, the blue and orange wool pulled over my eyes uh, to make a leap from the Sun Belt to the SEC from Louisiana. I've spent a lot of time in that stadium and in Lafayette, Louisiana. Ain't exactly Gainesville in the swamp. I wasn't overly inspired by the hire coming off of Dan Mullen. That's real. That's real. I can at least admit that. I mean, they, they've. Uh, I mean, Urban Meyer came from what Utah? Yes. Oh, ironic. And uh, Kyle Kyle Whittingham, <laughs> by the way, who is the head coach of Utah, was Urban's defensive coordinator uh, at Utah. I love how everything comes full circle for those Gators mm-hmm. uh, out there in Swampland. But no, I, I will say this though, because when it comes to college football, especially in today's day and age, like you have to judge it a lot differently than we used to. Let's say like a decade ago, with the turnover at college football coaches, like. In this time, especially if you're Billy Napier and you're able to get a guy that's a grad transfer from Wisconsin who's supposed to be able to come in and be competent immediately, like rebuilding off of a year when you lose a top five quarterback is a lot easier in 2023 than it was in 2013. So I think two years into a tenure in that second year, if there's a lot of showings of incompetence, I don't know if one game in is enough, but maybe by like week six, week seven, if it still looks a little swampy in the swamp, then yeah, I think it's time to start questioning if he should be back for year three, I think Miami might have held on to Manny Diaz a year too long. And, you know, so maybe that's what it is. Maybe two years is a good enough sample size to at least feel confident about your coach. And if you don't feel confident, if you don't go into Saturdays at least knowing like, hey, we got a shot, especially against an opponent that you should have a shot against, then yeah, you should start calling up those boosters, starting a little bit of an anarchy. Uh, just in a vacuum, in a vacuum, when – is it acceptable? At what point of a tenure is it acceptable to start questioning whether or not a college football coach is right for the job? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063. Just, just in a vacuum, uh, when, when do you feel like, just overarching, Theo, you can sit there and say, I've got a good feel for this guy, his recruiting, his coaching, his football acumen, and you have a good sense uh, h- how long into a tenure, we're talking high-profile college football, to where you can make a, a valid point, this guy is good or this guy is bad? Uh, today's day and age, let's, let's go, how about this, year three, game one. Because that's when I think it was all said and done for Manny Diaz uh, out in Coral Gables um, as Miami Hurricanes head coach. And I'll never forget the moment for me when I was like, yeah, let's wrap this thing up. I hope this year ends as quickly as possible. That was the Alabama game. Uh, infamously known for uh, the one of the last times that we got the turnover chain on national television 
um, for everybody to see. And I say infamous because there was the two incidents that happened. Number one, when the turnover chain was brought out after Miami gets the fumble recovery and uh, unceremoniously had to be put back in the box after the refs went into the review and realized Miami did not indeed create a turnover. And this was the Alabama game, right? Yes, this was the yeah. Alabama game, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the tide would roll all over Miami by like 30 points. Number two in that game was when Miami's down by like four touchdowns at this point. I think it's in the second half, and we get an interception, and the turnover chain still gets brought out. Right. And we're on national television as the Miami Hurricanes Just program. getting mopped, and you're, you're flaunting the, the turnover chain. Flaunting the turnover chain, a once proud program that had guys like Warren Sapp yawning as we were up 50 against you know quality opponents. Now um, on the other end of it, flaunting around a turnover chain, down 30 points in a season opener. That was the moment. I feel like Manny Diaz, they should have took his headset away right then. I feel like on the sideline, take his headset away, find somebody else to be the interim until we stumble into Mario Cristobal in the following offseason. But that to it in itself Reminds me of the very last time I was like, as a Canes fan, let's get this dude out of here ASAP. He finished out the year, uh, which is whatever. And it was a pretty meh year. But that moment in the national spotlight, similar to Gators getting kind of exposed last night, is when I was able to feel like, hey, it's, it's time. We've had enough. The sample size is big enough. Let's find us a guy. I mean, I tell you what, uh, you said that, hey, I thought everybody was was uh, roses and rainbows and puppies around the uh, the Billy Napier hire. I mean, talk about back-to-back Miami hires that were all hyped oh. up. Manny Diaz, you remember, he gets hired after his six seconds at Temple once uh, Mark Rick leaves and uh, him and his coaches are, are, are floating on yachts. Uh, yeah. and, and uh, showing up and, and cutting in front of other assistant coaches, getting hard with their recruiting, and, and then uh, that fell apart. And then you go, and this high-profile flirtation money bags galore to go get Mario Cristobal. And I'll say this, tonight is big for Miami. Oh, Ken, stop. It's Miami of Ohio. <laughs> Enough. Tonight is legitimately big for Miami. I'll explain in just a second, but I want to throw it out there again because it sounds like Theo is going by the year three rule. I think that's conventional wisdom. Christian, is that accurate that I think most people, uh, whether it be whether it be college or even the NFL, like year three, year three, give them three years, see what happens in that third year. That's like the, the comfortable conventional wisdom of coach questioning. It's weird because college in the NFL, I think, is different because college, it takes time for the guys you recruit to come to your program. You establish the culture you want there. And it's also different because boosters feel like they're paying for this coach. Mm. They might be paying for they this coach. Yeah, like they, yeah. the yeah. NFL, they literally are. Yeah, they've got saying the game. NFL, it's kind of talking heads and fandom on the line. But bo- boosters have a different kind of attitude towards things. And that timeline is shrinking in college. You used to get like four years to establish Well, because the portal exists. At the the Power 5 level, the portal exists. And so now I do think, and that's a good point, Christian, the NFL is a much more expedited patience cycle than than college is. But college is starting to to sneak to that point. And when you have a coach like Billy Napier, who uh, this offseason, all I heard, especially at SEC Media Days, uh, is, hey, patience, 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 patience. You know – if, if the Gators finished last year strong 
and went into the season ranked, you know what word you wouldn't be hearing from Billy Napier? Patience, patience, patience. It would be, hey, I like what we've got. Uh, yeah, we're ready to win now, all that stuff. You only start preaching patience when things aren't going as well and as quickly as you would have liked them to. You, you picked out 12 players from the transport border this year if you're, if you're, you're Florida and you're Billy Napier. Uh, the patience thing only goes so far in modern-day 2023 SEC college football. And if the Gators were high-flying and excellent and offense all over the place, then I'd say, all right, uh, we're into something. If they weren't penalty-laden and they were competitive, yet they, they, they just couldn't quite make the plays at the right moments, I'd say, all right, it, but you can see it. You can see the tangible improvement. Uh, Florida, since the win over Utah last year, there hasn't been any marked improvement with this football team. Hell, I'll argue the first game of the Matt Rule era, though it ended every single like every single game of the Scott Frost era at Nebraska with a one possession loss. Mm. Nebraska played their asses off last night. Every single possession, offense or defense. That was more impressive in what was a terrible football game, that Nebraska-Minnesota uh, atrocity. Uh, but it was better. Nebraska played harder. Than, than Florida did. So I, I just feel like I I don't feel reckless at least presenting as Billy Napier the right guy for this job. I'm not calling for him to be fired. It's not going to happen. But, but like, this is uninspiring. When is it appropriate? When is it appropriate to start questioning in a college football coach's tenure, at what point, how far in, whether they're the right guy for the job or not. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And on social media, at KLV1063. Nick messages in, don't forget Utah was missing eight starters for most of the game, too. Well, their best defensive player went out with an injury very early. I mentioned you had uh, the starting quarterback out, and Florida was outclassed last night that is a bad 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 start to the season and it also gets isolated because it was on a Thursday night yeah that doesn't help that's the worst part about it if you're if you're a Gators fan too because you kind of symbolically kicked off the college football season forget what Notre Dame did last weekend and USC on the TV channel that nobody got there like unless you're a Notre Dame fan no one's like oh god Notre Dame maybe it's gonna (laughs) be so hot from Dublin like this this was the debut of big college football last night and it kicked off with a whimper for Gators fans and even for college football fans that wanted to see a good game so yeah it's it's weird and and like you're saying you're right it is time for for not just Gators fans but us nationally to be like hey look is Billy Napier the guy for the job? Beyond that, um, the question really becomes: Is what is right for the job in Gainesville? Then, I don't because know, man. It, what are you going to go hire another big name type guy and try to swing for the fences? Like, are you going to try to go salt of the earth again and get a, a young name in the game that maybe is good at recruiting? Like, what do you try now? Because each time they've made a swing, it's ended in somewhat of a miss. Um, it, Mullen and everybody else you've named, it hasn't worked out since Urban Meyer. I'm trying to think. I was trying to think about it this morning, and I hate to make this so Gator-centric, but it's been kind of a Gator-centric last couple of weeks with the Gators opening last night and then with uh, the terrible Urban Meyer documentary that uh, was uh, was was moonlit as uh, a documentary about the championship years. <laughs> but um, what is the, the best – what's the best moment of Florida Gators football since Urban Meyer left? What would that be? I mean, they've played in a couple of SEC championship games, but weren't really competitive 
in in any of them, for the exception of playing in number one Alabama, kind of close with Jim McElwain uh, at the helm. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it was Dan Mullen beating Georgia a couple of years ago. I feel ago. like Mullen had a couple peaks during his tenure. I can't go back and reflect on specific moments, but Mullen... It might have been him beating Georgia. I think it was him beating Georgia, what, three years ago at this point? It might have been that. Um, But really, since Urban Meyer, Florida has just fallen further and further for the exception of a couple of, again, there was Muschamp's 11-win season, uh, then there was the Kyle Trask year, but then that... Uh, right, right, right. Uh, and it, but that culminated at the end of the Kyle Trask era in Dan Mullen sitting there saying, we didn't have to go to the Sugar Bowl. We didn't have to play in that game. We should get credit for showing up and yeah. playing in that game. It's, uh, it's just weirdos. It's been weirdo after weirdo that has taken over that program, whether it's Will Muschamp, weird guy, uh, whether it's Jim McElwain, really weird guy, death threat faker, getting in Kelvin Taylor's face on the sideline like a psychopath, or Dan Mullen, who's like the king of the weirdos. Uh, So I guess at this point, if you're the Gators, I guess if you're a fan, you don't like the football, but you like the fact that it seems like Billy Napier at least is a normal functioning human being. Like that's a, a, a silver lining, no? Well, if and also if you're if you are the Gators boosters, if you are anybody that's a decision maker in Florida and Gainesville. They should have just asked me and went by my rule of thumb of anybody still going by Billy past the age of 35. It's hard to trust him. It's hard to trust him. <laughs> Billy? Grown-ass man. I'm just saying, like, go with Bill Napier, and now, maybe he'll win some football no, games. I, if your name is Billy past a child age, you got to wear a pin a pinwheel hat that <laughs> spins around. Like, that's what I'm thinking, Billy. That's i got to be honest. I don't love that. I don't love that take, Theo. Well, and I'll tell you it? what. I, I, I sort of feel like it's a nice... Um, Southern sort of, this is my pal. Like, Billy, Billy's your pal. Billy's your bud. You Jimbo. can punch him in the arm. Grow Jimbo's up. a problem. <laughs> Jimbo's a problem. And that's not even his real name. He just <laughs> wants to go by Jimbo. That That's just pretentious. That Southern pretentiousness right there is Jimbo. That's just too much. Like, Billy's your friend. Joey is your pal that you're going to go get a soda with. Like, for me, a lot of people call me Kenny. And I feel it's juvenile, but I'm good with it. Because that fine. means, hey, I'm going to put my arm around you, and we're going to go pal around. Ken, what's the name of this show? Is it Kenny Levick Alive or is it Ken Levick Alive? It's Ken Levick Alive because you're that's a grown my ass man. Right, I understand that. But if you were like, if if you one day and you you don't call me Kenny, you call me Ken. Stone yes. calls me Ken. Yes. Jeanette calls me Ken. But there are some people in our office, our ESPN West Palm offices, that do call me Kenny. And I'm fine with it because I, I like that. It's a, if you call if you just showed up Monday on or well we're off Monday Tuesday, and you said hey Kenny how was your Labor Day, I wouldn't even flinch. I'd be like hey appreciate you man well, thanks for asking that's it was fine, good. Fine, but also the two things to just a little delineation here. Kenny also is still a little bit more like serious than Billy, uh, number one, and then also number two. He goes by Billy. It's a difference between people calling you something and you liking it and it be, being something that is like, you know, complimentary or fun or a nickname. And then there's another thing for you to be writing on your job application, Billy, when you're 56 years old. Like, when is he going to drop the Billy or drop the Y and go to Bill? Robert. You skip it all. There you go. <laughs> see, but I see if you go by Robert, I feel like that is that's really smug. Is his name Robert? Robert's I don't know. A, yeah, no, a, I thought Robert was Bob. Billy is I think, William. Yeah, because. Oh, you know, I, I mixed that yeah. up. Will, just Will or Will. William. Just By the way, how do all. we get Dick from Richard? Um, That's a question you have to ask. 
I think way back when uh, there was a guy yeah. named Richard, and he was just a ladies' man. I think that's where you get it from there. I, like, uh, there, there, some, there the first Richard, you idiot. The, the first Richard, <laughs> the first Richard was just oh yeah. He just was just so it's William Hall Napier. Yeah, William Hall Napier. Like even Will could go with Will Napier, Billy. But you know what? He wants to get separated from Will Muschamp. Oh, you know, okay. There's only so when room he was in at this Louisiana program Lafayette, for one Will. When yeah. he was at Louisiana Lafayette, he was already pl- plotting his uh, trip to Gainesville. I'd go uh-huh. as far to say that you aren't getting hired as a head coach uh, in the deep SEC in Gainesville if you go by William. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't Are you saying that because I don't Musch- think you fit in in Gainesville as a William. You just go Unless Will. you're one of those academic types. You, you will fit in as Billy. You're right. It's more endearing. It's fun. See? It's just not serious. And what did we see last night from his team? Unserious behavior. It All was right? unserious behavior. Top down. Uh, that's a great question. You're calling for his job. I'm calling for a name change. <laughs> but again, like I don't think you're getting a job in the SEC if you go by your buttoned-up name as opposed to your Y name. Uh, like unless it's like Nikki, that can't work. Like Nick <laughs> yeah, Saban. Nick, Nick Saban, yeah, Nick, this is Nicky serious Saban. guy. Do you think anybody's ever called Nick Nikki? Do you think he's <laughs> ever gotten a Nikki? And if he did, what do you think happened? Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would. Death threat. <laughs> I was about to say yeah. there was probably a couple people that called him Nikki, and we haven't heard from them since. Mm. Um, very serious guy out there. Also, I mean, come on, Les Miles. That's a serious name. Think about Les, the Les is not a serious name. Les is Wait, serious. What is no. Les short for? Lester. Probably. Leslie? Leslie, yeah. Probably Lester. But look at the Big Ten. Look at Penn State. James. James Franklin. James that's Franklin. That's a real name. James. But that's the Big Ten. Like, that's the North. There's no way. Well, I guess. But that's why James Franklin was only at Vanderbilt. Because that's acceptable there. <laughs> James. James. He wasn't going to get hired in the SEC as a James. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, well let's look at the, the, the championship winning coaches out of the SEC the past two decades. So, Nick Saban. Nick. All right. You got Les Miles, right? He got one at LSU. Urban. Urban Meyer. Urban. Ed. Ed Ogeron. Ed. <laughs> Ed on. is an SEC he's a, name. He's not, no, Ed's an SEC you name. You think he'd be going by Eddie? No, exactly. Just not go by Eddie. Ed, not no. Eddie. Like, these are serious names. These are names that have gravitas. These are names that draw you in. If you're a recruit, if you're a player in that locker room, no. and it's the second half of, of two-a-days, and you're trying to fight for that extra bit of courage, and a guy walks up to you named Billy. No, tells I'm you to sorry, drop down and give him six inches. I, Christian, here's what bothers me about what Theo's doing, though, is he's equating names like Ed and Les. Those <laughs> yeah. as uh, he's saying those are as serious as William. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no way, not a chance. Not those are still good old fashioned. Hey, that's my southern friend name. When you got a Les and you got an Ed, Gene, like those are it, your pals' names. You know, Les Miles. He pulled a fast one on the entire South of college football world. It is Leslie. So, like, you know what? He, he really did pull a fast one. If he went by Leslie, I don't think he would have been hired. Gene Chizik? That's a name. Gene. But, again, Gene. but it's not a serious, but it's not serious. Like Lane. Lane. That's an SEC name. Lane. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you're right. But yeah. Billy is still the most childish name that uh, in the SEC right now. And I'm just saying, look, I'm, I'm trying We're to really find... We're really piling on this poor guy right I, now. I, hey, I hope all the best for Bill Napier and his family and his <laughs> teams going forward. But I'm just letting him know that until he gets a little bit more buttoned up on the front end, maybe things will change. It's kind of like when people tell people, like, hey, man, cut your hair. Get serious. Like, just cut the Y off, man. So you're, go- you're saying from, from William... It should be Bill Napier, not Billy, and he shouldn't go Will or Willie? 
He can go Bill. And it also, the other thing is, if your name's going to be Bill, you better win. You better win, Billy. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to be losing, then, yeah, I'm going to ask you to button it up a little bit. That's my only real take on it, not knowing his real coaching strategies or caring at all what's happening in the swamp with Billy Napier. But all I'm saying is, last night, you said the team looked inept. You said they were incompetent. They didn't fight. They got their tails whipped by Utah and a bunch of second stringers. So maybe uh, top down, just button it up a little bit. You know what is a coach's name is Tom. Tom Herman. Yes, sir. That's right. Uh, not Tommy. Not Tommy. Name. Tom. Tom Herman. You should ask him that. Was he? Did he call him Tommy? Did he ever up? go Tommy? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll ask him that. Uh, when when is it okay to start questioning whether or not? A coach is the right guy. Is one game into season number two too early, or am I okay to at least start having some questions about this Gators direction with Billy Napier? When is it okay to start questioning whether or not a college football coach is the guy? When in the tenure? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. And also, should a grown man... Is it acceptable for a grown man to be called Billy, to call himself Billy? Theo has a big problem with it. 888-760-3776. his resume. I argue <laughs> that you can't coach in the SEC, though, without one of those cutesy Southern names, and Billy qualifies for that. <laughs> is joint pain affecting your quality of life at Baptist Health Orthopedic Care? Their team's experienced in traditional joint replacement surgery as well as new, less invasive treatments with the goal of returning you to what you love as quickly as possible. Learn more by visiting Baptist health.net slash ortho today baptist health orthopedic care combines its resources of experienced physicians leading edge treatments and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement spine and sports medicine care visit baptist health.net slash ortho for more information today baptist health orthopedic care has offices conveniently located in palm beach county through the florida keys learn more by visiting baptist health.net slash ortho roster change on this ken levick alive friday christian cat the audible assassin in for stone labanowitz friday night Live. He's off to MVC country, Missouri Valley Conference football. He'll be on ESPN Plus Saturday, tomorrow. So Christian Cat hanging out with myself and Theo Dorsey. He is Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. This is not where I saw the show going today. A discussion of whether or not grown men should call themselves Billy <laughs> if their name's William. Uh, we asked on social media... At KLV 1063, is it weird to go by Billy as a grown man? Because Theo is very anti that. Theo says, name yourself like a man. Yeah. Uh, and so, so out of William, should Billy Napier, should he be Will Napier, Willie Napier? We've had a little bit of an Bill. issue with Willie's uh, football coaches down here. Let's go Bill. Let's Bill, go Bill. Bill, Bill Napier. Napier. Bill Napier sounds like a guy that I would like, if I was in his locker room, I'd be like, yeah, man, Bill told me to do it, so I'm going to do it. Billy tells me to do it. Scram. Yeah, like, <laughs> kind of just, it's, it's kind of, it's on me now. It's my option. Scram is something a Bill would say. Yeah. Uh, a, a Bill message is in, hey, I'm Billy in my family still because my grandfather was Bill and lived forever. I introduced myself as Billy, but just about everybody drops the Y out in the world. I answer to whatever variation. Exactly. No, that's when you go, 
your first initial and J at the end. I've always wanted to have like a, a TJ, RJ, oh. a, a BJ. I think those are cool names. You've always wanted to have a BJ. Always. I love those names. Okay. Just clearing that up. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, Jimmy says, I go by Jimmy, but I kind of feel like Billy is a lot more childish. Yeah. Is Jimmy more childish or no, no. is Billy more childish, childish than Jimmy? Bim, Billy is way more t- childish than Jimmy. You think of the Jimmys of the world, Jimmy Carter, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, like Jimmy is is good. Something about Jimmy is just more it's just, you know, there's winning that comes with that. The IE and the Y. Where do you stand on that? Which um, is more uh, masculine or more, you know, just a little authoritative. Yeah, IE is more folksy, childish. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would I would go why on Jimmy. I would go why on Jimmy. Just like, again, if I'm taking you seriously, if I'm taking orders from you, I need that why, not the I. Now, is I even an option? Maybe a Nikki with an I. I I will say this. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I was gonna say like you can't be a Nikki as a as a male and have an I as the last letter. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, I think Nick is fine, but. I will say this. I've always felt this way. Nikki is one of the hotter girl names, like, 100%. period. I, I feel you on that. I'm a big Nikki fan, especially if it's like N-I-K-K-I. Have you I, met an unattractive Nikki? That's I, I don't think I ever have. It's impossible. That's the thing. I think it's impossible. You're right. It's crazy. Um, cool. We got to do some research on that. Yeah. Also, yeah. <laughs> people might think this is like, you know, like not concerning or not important. Your name is, name is important. I'm, That's I'm how people this, know uh, you. It's your brand. It's all you have. It's the most important thing in the world. I'm watching this, uh, this, this show on Netflix called painkillers. Right. Yeah. And so when I say the, the name Alfred Nobel, what comes to mind? Nobel Prize. Yeah. Nobel Peace Prize, it's right? It's refined. It's your you're, you're helping society, bettering society. Yes. Your name is your brand. It's all you have when you go to rest. So what I found out in this Painkillers documentary, a guy was trying to explain to a kid why your name is so important and it's all you have and it's why they, you know, the Rockefellers plaster their names all over buildings and whatnot. Alfred Nobel apparently actually was a Swedish chemist and inventor, right? And he made all of these things. He was most famous for making dynamite. Right. And he somehow slipped up and saw his obituary early, mm-hmm. and they wrote in the obituary that he was a merchant of death. And he realized his legacy was going to go down as a merchant of death. That's what Correct. Nobel was going to be remembered as. So instead, he put all this money into the Nobel Peace Prize. Right. And we think of Nobel, ah. of this this guy that was master of peace. No, he he, he was the cause for so many deaths all right. across the world. Right. The uh, name is all you got. Theo, I'm impressed. That is, that is to a T- the story. Of oh, so you, you knew the Nobel story. I, I did know the Nobel story. That is uh, I learned really it. well explained by you. That's well done. Well, thank you. And Billy is going to go down for getting whooped by Utah in week one and fired <laughs> at the end of the year. And if, if his name was Bill, things might be different. Uh, so, so two questions here. Should a grown man refer to himself as Billy? I suppose this could be any name where you add a Y to it. Like, I'm Ken, but I'm fine with Kenny because I think that's your pal, your buddy. I'm good with this stuff. Theo, though, he says, no, 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 grow up. Grow up. Billy Napier should just go as Bill. Yes. That's a professional man's name. Uh, when in a college football coach's tenure, are you allowed to start questioning whether or not they're the right guy? Because I'm about there 14 games into Billy Napier's tenure at Florida. Uh, and should a grown man uh, refer to himself as Billy? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Social media at KLV1063. Joe is in Jupiter, and he kicks us off on the phones. I'm Ken Levick Alive. What's up, Joe? Hello, guys. So before I get to the name situation, because I can definitely relate, 
I wanted to take you back completely off topic. You know how sometimes you'll have a show, uh, Ken, where you're down in the dumps about something, you know, usually sports-related, and you count on the callers to kind of, you know, pick you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Let me just tell you this quick, and then, and then I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll be quick. Sure. So we wake up this morning, my wife's taking the kids to school, finding, and, and we find out our her car got broken into and everything was taken out of oh, it. Oh, God. So I had to sit there and take a police report for this because the one time she forgot to unlock it or leave it locked, they did it. And so that was that sorry, for about man. two hours. And then I go to work. And so here I'm at work, listen to y'all, sitting on the side of the road, and my work truck is broke down, and I'm going to sit here for like two hours Jesus, with no AC. man. Uh, at least I got y'all, though. So what a day. This is a, <laughs> this uh, well, is a right now. I appreciate. I, I'm sorry the day sucks, but I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you uh, listening in, and we'll do what we can to entertain you and try not to make it worse. Which I mean, no, uh, you're we'll, doing we'll try. great. So obviously, my name is Joseph. For my first, my yeah. real name is Joseph, but uh, it was Joey until I got to be about 21, 22, 23. All my friends, I was Joey. Then as I started getting to my work profession as managers and stuff like that, it became Joe. So now I'm Joe or Joseph, and the only two people that really call me Joey is my wife and my mom. And it doesn't really bother me. I mean, either way, though, but I can relate. Like I say, I'm nobody, like, when they say, who are you, I don't say I'm Joey. Yeah. Right. Since I'm 52. So I kind of agree with you, uh, Theo, on that. Thank you. Anyways. Joe, I I hope you have a better day. I hope you have a better day, buddy. Sorry to hear about all that. It, and, it can't uh, get any worse. So yeah. it's not my truck. So. Yeah, right, right. That's the one bright spot. Appreciate you, Joe. Here's to a better weekend than uh, than than what you're having today. Um, can we real quick, Christian? Here we played it yesterday on the show, but I want to hear Mario Cristobal, and I want to get Theo's take on this. Especially, I need a little journalism ear on this, okay? Because I mentioned earlier tonight's important for Mario Cristobal. Theo, do you remember the last time? Do you remember the last time a group of five team squared off against the Miami Hurricanes <laughs> at Hard Rock Stadium? Do you remember what happened? Um, I recall guys in blue and white uh-huh. running up and down the sidelines mm-hmm. for touchdowns with uh, guys in green and orange chasing them. Yep, unsuccessful. Yeah, that would be uh, Middle Tennessee State hanging forty-five points. On the Uh, Miami Hurricanes, uh. coached by Mario Cristobal. Now, this week, Mario faced a question, uh, and you can't hear the question overly well. So let me just paraphrase for you here, Theo, before we we listen to Mario Cristobal's response. The question was, uh, for the older players who were a part of the Middle Tennessee State loss last year, do they go and try and inspire the younger guys in this game against Miami of Ohio to start this season? Um, So that's the paraphrase question, okay? Here is the exchange between the question asker and Mario Cristobal earlier this week in Coral Gables. So I imagine the returning players on the fifth or some kind of Middle Tennessee State game, are they uh, inspiring the youngsters, the 42 guys who want to step up for this one? I don't think that's relevant to our game this week, but I respect your question. Spicy. Now, I would argue, and Theo, tell me if I'm wrong. You're the one who uh, conducts himself with much more journalistic integrity than yours truly, okay? Uh, a question about what happened against Middle Tennessee State last year. When you're going against Miami of Ohio in your opener, 
I disagree with Mario. I think it's very relevant considering that's the last time you played a group of five team. And the last time you played a group of five team, you got your ass kicked up and down Hard Rock Stadium's field. Uh, I think all due respect to Mario and what he feels is relevant, and I'm glad he respected the question. <laughs> um, that, to me, feels very relevant, in fact. That's like if, uh, if my fiance Ashley's like, yo, so, so why are you messaging that, that girl back and forth uh, there? It's kind of late. <laughs> not hey. relevant, but I respect the question. <laughs> it's not relevant at all. I respect you for having an eagle eye and, and, uh, and checking that out. But uh, let's just move forward. Next question, please. How can you respect a question but not answer it? <laughs> I don't a, understand that at all. It's a great point because if you have to say the words with all due respect or I respect this, it's generally either preceding or following you disrespecting the question or right. whatever said before. So, yeah, uh, if you're a reporter, though, in that situation in a press conference and maybe this guy is less confrontational, I don't even know what happened right well, after I, this I question. I also think the question's clunky. Like, I, I do think that you could probably word it like last time you went out. It needed context. Well, that's the, that's what the follow-up should have been. What he, I, he says, I don't think it's relevant, um, but I do respect the question. And I will say, then that's when you follow up with exactly what you just said, Ken, was, okay, well, look. The last time you guys played a group of five team and were double-digit overdogs or, or favorites, I always say overdogs, you got your That's tails whipped at home. Yeah, Christian, not, I don't I know if overdogs is a term. I know. Not, I say it on accident all the time, all right? I'm an idiot, okay? I don't have a <laughs> teleprompter in front of me. This is radio. I'm a TV guy. All I'm saying is last time you guys played a group of five team in Hard Rock Stadium, you got your tails whipped. That's how it's relevant, and there's guys from that team that are in this locker room. They've got to still be pissed off about that. How are they inspiring this next crop of players that are here that didn't experience that to make sure you're not embarrassed again? And then you got to respect that question. Answer it. Right, right. We're just we're just respecting everything. Yeah. In fact, in uh, in the 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 in honor of Mario, uh, <laughs> we we respect it. We I respect, respect it. So so with all due respect, Mario. I respect your response, but I disagree with you. Mm. Here's what I think. That is an extremely relevant question about Middle Tennessee State leading into tonight's game against Miami of Ohio. Here's what I think brought to you by I Think Financial. Many times we talk about the outstanding athletes and moments that happen on the field, but what about those on the sidelines who call the plays? Every month we're featuring a different coach on ESPN West Palm High School game day for their contributions to their team and their local community presented by I Think Financial from checking to savings, home loans to business banking. They go that extra mile for their members. I Think Financial moving you forward. That's IThinkFI.org. I Think Financial. When we return... Yeah, college football is great, but I really, really, really have a problem with these Thursday and Friday games. Give me Saturday or give me death, damn it. He's Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Theo, who's had a more lovey-dovey offseason and lead in to the 2023 campaign? The bigger love fest, uh, Florida State or the Jets? Because I think it's a pretty even race. And I would say the Jets, though, because they got the whole TV show because not only are they all lovey-dovey on each other, all of America is just just wrapping itself up in in Jets allure. So I I think it's the Jets. I have never never seen 
a, a nationwide rehabilitation like the one we've seen with Aaron Rodgers. Not since, like, Mike Vick. Yeah, immediately. Like, like people love Aaron Rodgers now. Immediately. This is what Urban Meyer was trying to do. Yeah. No, Urban Meyer was trying to get a lap dance from a lady in the bar. That was different. Oh, More than man. that, he was looking for affection um, in other places. Right, right. Uh, special attention, yeah. if um, if you will. I I uh, was sort of – I was thinking about what we were talking about earlier where you're, Florida gets exposed big time last night because they're playing a Thursday game. That's tough. I, I Me as a fan – I just I don't like non-Saturday games. The NFL, give me a Sunday. Give me a Sunday afternoon. College football, I get like the Mac has their Tuesday-Wednesday thing and Thursday's a big TV night, but it doesn't feel the same as a Saturday. Like I'm just like the Canes tonight. Going to go down there with my wife. We're going to tailgate good times. That's why, by the way, I'm doing the show today from uh, from the uh, Levicka household in, uh, in northern Broward. Um, but... I just I don't I don't love the feel of college football on any day other than a Saturday. I find it I find it to be almost annoying. Uh, give me Saturday football, man. I have a skewed vision on this though, Ken, because for for years and years I worked weekends. It's my first year of football season with weekends completely off. So I need to experience it firsthand to be able to actually wake up and start drinking and watching games at noon or one o'clock and and enjoy the full slate of games on Saturday. And then on some of those Saturdays, also go through the ups and downs of my team getting the, uh, their doors blown off. So I'm still on the fence because back in the day, I love a good Thursday, Friday night game because sometimes those will be the weeknight days I have off and can actually go watch a game at a bar. I like a good Sunday game here and there. Yeah. So I, I suppose it does. Your circumstance matters yeah. in that spot. But I just, I don't know. I, I really appreciate these games when they should be played. I, I I want Saturday. I want to wake up. I want the full yeah. I want the full slate of all this stuff. But I also grew up and Christian's a Big Ten guy. He went to Penn State. I grew up Saturday. Game started at eleven a.m. Uh, and it's always like a a random Purdue Minnesota game at eleven a.m. But that's when I want my my college football to be is early Saturday. Let's get after it. Like Christian, that's the way college football is. Not under the lights in Salt Lake City on a Thursday night. Yeah, but when you're a fan of a team, when you are a specific fan, like I'm a Penn State fan, I want Penn State to not play on college football Saturday because I'm also a college football fan in general. Mm. So I want to be able to take in the great SEC games, the great Big 12 games, not worried about keeping up with Penn State, Illinois at noon. I just don't want to have to have both those screens on like trying to split but it's my never attention. been easier. It's ne- you've got a phone, yeah. you've got a tablet. It's never been easier. It's not like you're locked into a regional game now. You can watch whatever the hell you want. But you are right. Central time zone is the best time zone. Central for time zone is the best time zone. Oh yeah. Period. Now, what I would say about that is. When uh, anytime I'm out in the Pacific time zone, it is awesome when the NFL starts at uh, at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, when I was out in Hawaii a couple of years ago, FAU basketball started its season out there. Uh, the NFL started at like seven in the morning. Uh. Like for some people, that's too early. For me, that's fine. But I get that. But uh, Central time zone's nice and comfortable. 
you've got a nice little breadbasket of uh, of comfort times there. Uh, the primetime shows start at, at 7 o'clock, and the news is on at 10.30. Like, everything's too late in the East. Everything's way too late in the East, and nobody ever gives any consideration to us people who live in the East. Like, oh, just started at 9 o'clock. NBA Finals, 9 o'clock start. No problem. The Central Time Zone, you never run into that. Well, here's the one thing I'll say, because as the one person here that grew up, well, I guess you grew up in the Central Time Zone as well, Ken. Yeah, Chicago. Chicago. Absolutely. So I grew up in the Central Time Zone as well in Houston, and the one problem I had with it was kickoffs at noon. They don't hold that kickoff if your if your pastor's running a little late on well, the sermon. There was always a church NFL overlap back yeah. when I did such things. Um, but yes, you're right. That- I missed so many kickoffs because you know the pastor got a little heavy on his word. He started filling. The, the Holy Spirit a little too long, and, and a brother like me is trying to get back to watch, at that time, the, um, the Carolina Panthers games. Uh, right, right. Um, but also the Chiefs games Wait, as well. Nowadays, are there guys with their phones out? Like, in, gotta be. Like trying to get like their bets in and you're setting your fantasy lineup? I gotta imagine that's happening every pew. You might as well just call for it right after offering, okay, <laughs> set your fantasy lineups. I'm giving everybody seven minutes. All right. God had seven days to create the earth. Oh, the earth. Okay. You, you get seven minutes to. Get the perfect fantasy lineup right. I'm. I'm actually. I have not been to church in decades. Um, what time does just Sunday mass? And I don't know uh, whatever religion. But what time is a, a normal starting time for a Sunday mass? No matter what religion you uh, you, you you follow. I'm a, so there's always early service and late service. So generally you get like an eight or an eight thirty for early service, and then you uh-huh. got a ten thirty or eleven for the late service. And a guy like me who likes to kick it on Saturday night. I'm not always making that 8 o'clock, 8.30 cut. So, yes, you know, 10.30, 11.30 service is my my go-to. Do the 11 o'clock services go till 1? Can they go till 1? They can. They can, actually. Oh, my God. So, you know, depending on the church. But if you get a a good 10.30 service, we'll get you back home before kickoff in the Eastern time zone. So that's my tip for those of you that want to watch football games uh, these weekends. I'm curious, for you religious folk, do you go to a church <laughs> where Sunday service it, it 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 overlaps with the one o'clock kickoffs with the NFL? Do you go to a church where where service is long enough to where it butts up against NFL kickoff? And then why? Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six social media at KLV one oh six three eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six. I'm just curious. I, I the legitimate question, because I'm not a church going fellow. Those of you who do go to church, do you go to church where Sunday service butts up against the start of the NFL? And how do you handle that? Eight 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 seven six zero three seven seven six. He's Theodore C W P T V News Channel five WFLX Fox twenty nine. I'm Ken Levick. I'm live on ESPN one oh six three.